Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Zap. Zap, zippity zap, 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 zippity zap. Sorry, I had to bust out in the song there. Because we're talking today about a wonderful person. But first, we should introduce ourselves. Hello, I am the Almighty Crit, Aaron. And my name is Sergio. It's yes, Sergio. And the one's the only Sergio. You might have gotten into um, some. Weird potions or tonics or something. You're acting strange. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <clears throat> anyway, so today we're going to talk about a very special person. I I would say so. Last week we spoke uh, about Dritz, which uh, somebody on the Twitter, uh, which I am so grateful mm-hmm. and thankful that folks uh, you know continue that conversation after the show. Uh, on on the Robots Radio Discord and on Twitter, uh, he related that something that I didn't know was that uh, Dritz is the preferred pronunciation because Drizzit was how people who like shunned uh, that the, 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 the that character uh, and looked down on him. That's kind of like a sort of like a Smeagol Gollum type situation. Like I remember uh, when the Two Towers came out. My coworker kept talking about the movie and kept calling him Smeagol. And I was like, why do you like his name was Gollum? Why do you keep calling him Smeagol? He's like, well, that's what the good guys call him. And I'm a good guy. So I'm going to call him Smeagol. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So um, I said that, you know, Dritz is the pronunciation that, you know, that I would assume that, you know, if the person, if if the character was is was real, that that they would prefer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm team Dritz now. So you yeah. win. You win, Crit. I knew there was a specific reason why I did not choose the other pronunciation. Uh, I, I believe I've heard that before. It's just been so long ago. And I, I I'd like, never heard that. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, last week we talked about Dritz, uh, which is one of the best known and most popular characters uh, in all of Dungeons and Dragons. This week, we're going to talk about uh, an equally well-known character. Oh, I don't know if he's e- equally well-known, but just, uh, just as like... Um, as crucial and important to the Forgotten Realms campaign setting. And that's the Archmage uh, Elminster, the wizard extraordinaire Elminster. Yay! He, like, my first introduction to this character was opening up the Forgotten Realms campaign setting book. And him sort of introducing it in character, and I thought that's pretty cool. And then, and then a couple of pages after that, you get his uh, stat block, which uh, he uh, he doesn't have an official stat block in Fifth Edition. They haven't done that yet, and I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'm not sure that they ever will because it's not like they haven't been doing Forgotten Realm stuff in this edition. I think they just might leave well enough alone this time around but as far as uh third edition he was he had uh 20 levels in wizard as well as five levels in archmage archmage and four level and just four epic levels on top of that not only did he have those but he also had three levels in cleric Two levels in rogue and one level in fighter. So, so I can only picture the meme with him. And it's it's not it's not a hundred percent accurate, but you know the meme where the wizard runs out of spells and he says, I have to go about this old school and rips his shirt off and he's just ripped it out of his mind. It's the only I thing mean, I can picture of Elminster now. 
I mean, here's, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would say he's pretty, he's pretty, he's pretty ripped. I mean, he's like over a thousand years old. That's the thing. He is mm-hmm. because of everything that he's been through in his, in his very long life, he is basically immortal. And so, I mean, at that point, if you have that much time, I would guess you like, you know, eventually hit the gym. So I do want to mention something before we go any further. He's got some pretty awesome nicknames. Oh yeah, I was, yeah. I, I've got <laughs> like there's and there's like almost too many to name. I just wrote the uh, the two or three that I thought were or that were my favorite. Okay, well I'm gonna give some of my favorites after you give yours. So okay, well, well I'll like, wait. I'll wait for you. But these <laughs> some of these are pretty good. Uh, he's known as the Sage of Shadowdale, which is like I think like his sort of like. One of his like you know uh, biggest and uh, you know if you're going to like pare it down to just one nickname that that might be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also known as the old mage, which again makes sense. Like he's him being over a thousand years old. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And my favorite, uh, Stinkbeard. <laughs> that was one of my personal favorites. <laughs> so I have L Minster. It's as an L, minster. Yeah, like like the minster, like in <laughs> the Spanish minster, yeah. or French. Uh, and old weird beard. Yeah, that was another one that I considered, <laughs> but I didn't want I didn't want to bring up two different beard centric nicknames, and so I went with stink beard instead. I'm sorry, but from now on, he is now known to me as old weird beard. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, he's, he's he's old. He's got a beard, and he's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, so this this character was created by Ed Greenwood, who you know, the Forgotten Realms was his personal campaign setting for the D and D games that he ran. It eventually became an official campaign setting for the game, and now almost like the de facto official campaign setting for like for for everything for the entire game. You know, as the, as opposed to before when it was just the one of many. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's your sort of almost stereotypical like wizard. Um, he like you know, and that like think Gandalf, think Merlin. You know, he's a he's an older man, uh, long gray beard, almost always smoking a pipe. Mm-hmm. And like I, he's got all those different uh, levels and with all those different classes. Um, it's actually, you know, it's just not to make just just not to make this character as as powerful as possible. Um, it actually it follows the narrative of his, his of his biography. So he he spent some time uh, in his life where he would have gained that level in fighter. Mm-hmm. He gains he spent some time in his life where he would have gained two levels as a rogue. Oh yeah. So at first I just thought like, okay, well you're just you know you know they just built this behemoth of a character who and maxing know, like crazy. Yeah. Maxed out everything, but no, it actually makes sense. If you follow the, uh, like I said, if you follow the, the, the narrative of, of his journey. So I want to make a note of his personality. Okay. I found this on the forgotten realms fandom. It says, uh, Elminster was by turns, serious, fearsome and arrogant and charming clever and good-humored. He was a natural recounter and actor. Sounds and, a lot like me, eh. but go on. <laughs> and could present himself as a fatherly type, a trickster, a rake, or any other role or cliche required for the purpose or just to get a reaction out of others. However, usually only close friends got to see the full range of his character. So he's a card, essentially. Now, there's one more interesting thing which I saw. I found this, and this was hilarious. Elminster was known to snore loudly while sleeping, although he muted this magically if it would disturb friends. It should be noted that as one of Maestro's chosen, Elminster did not need to sleep. Well, he's a lot like Superman in that regard. Superman doesn't need to sleep. He just does so so he can dream. Don't ask me why I know that. (laughs) I can tell you that and I can, you know, I can, I can spend an hour talking about a Dungeons and Dragons character. uh, But I, you know, I couldn't tell you, um, you know, how, uh, you know, who the, 
you know, 34th president of the United States is or was. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to make this, I wanted to make this note about his personality because it truly shows that this character was somebody's character. You know, these are little quirks and things you get when a player gets really into a deep dive of role playing. And I love that, that these qualities have been kept alive. No, yeah, I mean, like it's he. I mean, the character, uh, the character himself. Uh, let's see, the character himself has been around for centuries, and so, uh, like in in game, whereas the you know the character in you know as far as when Greenwood created him has been around for decades now. So mm-hmm. it should be no surprise that he's fully formed, fleshed out and stuff like that is, you know, can, can, is known about him. Oh yeah. So um, what are we moving to next with old male minster or sorry, <clears throat> weird beard, old stink beard. <laughs> old. Well, um, you know, much like Dritz, you know, the, his Elminster's story is told mostly through the novels that Ed Greenwood himself has written. Uh, there's been, uh, almost a dozen different Elminster novels. Uh, the first of which came out in 1994. It was called The Making of a Mage. Uh-oh. And, sorry, I, had to, I thought I had to sneeze. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I think it's really cool that, you know, you create this D&D character and then 20 years later, you're able to write an entire book about him and which you know like some players might say like well i feel like i've written a book about my character anyway uh but this is a book that you're writing so other people can read because there's there's that much interest in the character you've created so that's i mean that's you know that's like a dream come true really but 1994 the making of a mage we learn the origin story of elminster exactly how he became one of Maestro's Chosen, how he got those classes in Rogue, those that class in Fighter, how he became one of the uh, most powerful wizards of all time. So he's born in Atalanta, a section of, of Faerun, in a village called Heldon. His father is Elthrin. He's a, a prince of that realm. And he's living his life, you know, as any sort of, you know, young lad would at that time in that, uh, you know, in, the, in that area uh, until he's about 12 years old when a, an evil shape-shifting uh, Malagrim riding a dragon shows up and destroys his village. He is the sole survivor. Everything he's known, everything he is... Uh, loved is gone. Dogs are barking in the background. <laughs> so he takes up his father's sword, which is the lion sword, mm-hmm. and he becomes a brigand, which basically means that he's he's in a gang. Like, you know, he's him and a bunch of his buddies or a bunch of uh, people that he hangs out with. I don't know if they're friends, but uh, they they form a gang and they would rob folks in the woods and possibly even kill them. And so that's where he gets that level of fighter. And so he does that for a while, realizes pretty quickly that he that life isn't really for him. Doesn't really you know, he he just he left behind like his entire like world was was shattered because of death and destruction. You know, he doesn't want to continue causing more of it. Mm-hmm. So he instead turns, he's still, uh, you know, he's still, you know, a life of crime is still suitable for him, but he wants to go about uh, stealing. He wants to become a thief. Mm-hmm. So he spends the next few years, like his most of his uh, later teen and early adulthood uh, as becoming a really good thief. So that's where you get those two levels of rogue. Uh, This is where it gets interesting. 
So at one point, he sneaks into a temple of Maestra to defile it and gets caught by one of the uh, mages there. Uh, the mage is about to kill Elminster uh, when the goddess herself, the lady of mysteries, Mistress saves him and gives Elminster the chance to kill the mage who was who caught him and was going to try to kill him. No, so you got to keep in mind that Elminster freaking hates magic. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, uh, like uh, uh, evil mage lord was the one who killed his family, destroyed his home, mm-hmm. destroyed his village. So he he hates magic. He hates anyone involved with it because of what happened to his family and to his to his home village. Uh, in fact, he actually had a chance earlier in life to learn uh, sor- sorcery, but he refused. He, uh, you know, he was something was like you know potential was seen in him, but he because of that. Um, because of that deep-seated hatred that he had for magic, he refused to 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 learn. So, Mistra intervenes with the mage catching Elminster, and says, "Like you know, I can give you the power to kill this guy. You know, can, you know, I'm I'm full of magic." Uh, and so he uh, he convinces her that he shouldn't kill the guard. He convinced her that it would be a misuse of magic to do so. And then so he spares the guard's life. And thus, Mistra's relationship with Elminster begins. And quite a relationship it would be. I would say, isn't this the first test she puts him through? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there's, like I said, this is they um, up through, uh, like, in the time of Troubles, you know, uh, Midnight ascends to become Mistra. Mm-hmm. And so Elminster's relationship with the goddess changes th- at that point. But up until then, you know, Elminster and Mistra have a long and very complicated relationship. They're lovers for a yep. time. Yep. Uh, you know, so they're, they're getting down. Um, but no, yeah, like so. There's this is one of many things that he goes through. And for for uh, those Mistra. of those of you listening that don't quite know who Mistra is, Mistra is the goddess of all magic. Keep that in mind. No, yeah, exactly, goddess of all magic. Let that sink in. And so she takes she takes a shine to to Elminster. So it's uh, not too long after that Elminster goes on what might be his most famous adventure. And in fact, Lupus already alluded to it in the chat. <laughs> he said that uh, he was also turned into a woman by Mr. for quite some time. And so, yeah, that's exactly what happens. Elminster becomes Elmara. Elmara. <laughs> uh, you know, when... You know, when you're coming up with, you know, uh, brand new worlds and new geographies and new histories and new deities and just, you know, when you're, you, you're when Ed Greenwood is responsible for all that, you can, af- you can afford him something like, okay, well, what's Elminster's female name? I just make, call him Elmara. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him a pass on that. Eh, close enough. So yeah, so uh, uh, Mistra turns him into a woman. Uh, she does so. She explains that it, it will strengthen his bond with magic, since he'll know, and he'll also know what it's like to be both genders. Um, when I first heard about this part of Elminster's uh, like origin story about his you know history, mm-hmm. uh, I I immediately saw it as an homage to the ancient Greek myth of Tiresias. Tiresias was a man who was turned into a woman after he saw some snakes getting down, getting down and dirty. And he kind of like, you know how you see like a, a dog mounting another dog. You might like, hey, you know, clapping. I'm like, hey, stop that. Get away from that. Uh, like he basically did that. And um, for some reason uh, that, you know, that displeased the gods and uh, it turned him into a woman. 
So Tiresias lived as a woman for, for some time until he was turned back uh, into a man. Uh, and fun fact with Tiresias, after, after he turned back into a man, you know, he, is, he had known what it was like to live as a man and a woman. Uh, Zeus and Hera were having an argument over which gender enjoyed sex more. Uh, Zeus obviously saying like, oh, men enjoy it more. And Hera's like, no, I think women enjoy it more. And he's like, I know the exact person we can talk to. Tiresias, <laughs> give us the, you know, give us the deal. Like you've lived as both. Who enjoys it more? And he's basically like, you know, like, like seven times as much as women like it. Men like it more. And Zeus is like, boo, yeah. And Hera's so, Hera's so messed up about it that she blinds him. Uh, but Zeus is like, wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't like to lose an argument. So, uh, Zeus is like, I'm gonna make it up to you, homie. I'm gonna give you the gift of prophecy. And also, since you said we liked it seven times more, I'm gonna let you live seven times as long. So, I, I love when this, um, it's just. I'm blown away how messed up that is. We won't get into it because this is the Dungeons Dragons lore cast, but that's messed oh, yeah, up. Like, that whole yeah, thing Greek, is just messed Greek up. Greek mythology is foobar, man. It's crazy uh, town. Uh, well, um, anyway, so Elminster's turned into a woman for a time. <laughs> yeah, but I love when like there are um, like nods and homages to that in, in D&D mm-hmm. uh, lore. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, Elmara as you know as as she was known uh became a priestess of mistra for many years continued to uh learn about magic um you know and and it didn't just um help you know uh, elminster's bond with magic like mistra said it would but it also allowed elminster to move around in circles like social circles, uh, unrecognized because he was in fact the last surviving prince of Adelanter. And so as the last surviving prince, like, you know, he had a rightful claim to the throne. Mm-hmm. And so anybody who was sort of in league with the evil mage lords that had destroyed his, his, um, his hometown and taken over his kingdom, you know, they would, uh, you know, they would be inclined to, if they found out, to out him and, you know, and kill him, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, they knew that uh, Elthrin, the last prince, uh, had a son, not a daughter. And so Elmara was, you know, moving around unbeknownst to everyone, you know, gaining power. Pew, pew. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, and eventually learned so much about magic that they learned a spell that would turn uh, Elmara back into Elminster. So boom, uh, the, the years of Elmara are done. Elminster is back and he is pissed. Uh, he is ready to take revenge on the evil mage Lords that killed his family, destroyed his hometown and took over his kingdom. Basically, you know, he has spent an entire lifetime uh, you know, gaining the skills needed, you know, uh, being a brigand for a while, you know, uh, you know, essentially a gang member, learning mm-hmm. how to fight, uh, being a thief for, for several years, learning like stealth, learning, um, uh, you know, how to move in shadows. And as, you know, as his relationship with Mistra deepened and grew, he learned more and more about magic. He was learning that which he had hated so much before. Uh, and he takes on these evil mage lords. Uh, he defeats them and he assumes his rightful place as on the throne of Atalanta. But, but. <laughs> There's always a but. I mean, if that's, if that's what it was, that he just. If he just was the king of Atalanta, then that's where his story would end. And he would, and we just hear about, you know, like, yeah, you know about, you know, King Elminster, like, I heard he used to be a woman. Uh, And that would be it. But his destiny led elsewhere. Um, And so he handed over 
the the throne. He handed over uh, the kingdom to a close friend of his that he knew would take care of it. And uh, Mistra asked him to become one of her chosen, and he accepted. And you know that's you know that's the origin of Elminster and the the beginning of like who uh, you know who would become one of the most powerful wizards of all time. I, and I mean, it goes without saying that. So I've got something to add to this. We'll, we'll 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 add this, and then we'll we'll discuss it. So some of Elminster's uh, magical properties consisted of magical items. Okay, now I listen to these items. At any given time, there was an amulet of natural armor, bracers of armor, a mantle of spell resistance, a ring of protection, a ring of regeneration a thundering longsword, and his famous Elminster's ever-smoking pipe. Yep. Yeah, he always had the pipe with him. Always. Now, the thing with the the pipe is... I, I'm still reading up and trying to find some information, but I believe this is the pipe that has multiple colors. And can, I think... I think it does a couple of magical things. Oh, here we go. Despite being protected against overheating by normal operations, the pipe did incur a few few risks depending on environmental conditions. If an ever-smoking pipe came within the area of a cloud kill, dust devil, dust storm, pyrotechnics, or a stinking cloud, it ignited a fireball that risked destroying the pipe itself. In addition, like any pipe, hitting or dropping a monster's ever-smoking pipe risks spilling lit tobacco of... Sorry, it... The pipe risked spilling lit tobacco and spreading the flames that could ignite everything nearby that's flammable. So yeah, it had a few risks to it, um, and it was shielded from the shielded from the elements by a small wall of force uh, shaped in a hemisphere around the pipe. It was protected from all elements, uh, even gust of wind spells and spell effects. And it did not function underwater. So basically, it was just an always smoking pipe uh, with a <laughs> command word. Um, there is a different one I think I'm thinking of that has a multicolored pipe that the smoke does do different magical effects. But it was a very, compared to the list of everything else that he had, the Elminster's Ever Smoking Pipe was a very mundane magical item. Man just wanted his backy. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just wanted his backy, and uh, he's got a yeah. Like you, you gave a list of stuff that of different magical items that he had. Um, mm-hmm. When we we're, we're gonna go and do the middle of the show at this point. When we come back, we're gonna dive into those magic items and some of his spells as well. I'm ready for this. But yeah, first. you got you've got some minis to talk about, so you're excited. Oh, I am. <laughs> Let's go to the mid break. Here we are in the middle of the show, doing middle of the show stuff. I don't know. I just I felt like it was necessary. You're you're really <laughs> sing songy today. I don't know what it is, but it's happening. You're feeling it. You're I like it. <laughs> so, Sergio, of course, the first thing we have to do is thank our lovely, amazing patrons. Let's thank our patrons from uh, all the way. We're gonna thank them all. We're gonna thank them all today, uh, as we usually do. Uh, we want to thank Wolf the Sheepdog. We want to thank Remington Cloutier, as well as Daniel P. and Climbing Zebra. Those are our scholar tiers. Uh, our wizard tier patrons are Jonathan Sutter, Sergeant Reaper, Tex Tinstar, and of course, our deity patron, Lupus Malum. Thank you, each and every one of you, for uh, supporting the show in this way. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a patron, you can go to DND, uh, or I'm sorry, you can go to patreon.com slash DND Lorecast. Uh, as low as five bucks a month will get you uh, early episodes, ad free episodes, uh, get you a sticker pack all the way up to uh, the deity level, which will get you um, a uh, campaign DM'd by Crit himself. Uh, with the other deity patrons playing as well as myself and other special guests. Uh, and then everything in between, uh, t-shirts, uh, 
uh, one-on-ones with me and Crit to help you build a campaign setting or to uh, you know jumpstart an adventure, you know get a get a hook started to write an adventure. Um, perhaps uh, you know you have a, you're going to start DMing yourself and you want some tips and tricks. You know we can help you out. It's all available on Patreon. Um, and if you if you if you're unable to support us in that way, you know you listening to the show, you telling a friend about the show, uh, you leaving you know uh, five star reviews on Apple or on Spotify is more than enough. Those are all ways that you can help us out. You know that stuff does matter, even if it doesn't matter in the the whole like interwebs algorithm, you know, sense the word uh, like. Crit and I appreciate the ever loving heck out of it. So um, thank you so much. So moving from that, we have been talking about uh, some special things we have coming this year. And very shortly, we will uh, possibly at the end of this month, we will be revealing our very first 2022 giveaway. Oh, you cut out there. What? Anyway, I'm just messing with you, Sergio. <laughs> oh, I was like, we're what? revealing what, what? Well, we're what gonna. It's, it, I mean, there's something. There's something yeah. definitely in the we got in the mm-hmm. works, which the, is going to be a lot yep. of fun. At the end of the month, hopefully, fingers crossed, we should have the last few pieces of the puzzle to reveal the 2022 giveaway. Um, first, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. As for rewards for our deity patrons, Lupus last episode chose. The ridiculous reward of the three to four hour play with mysterious guests. And I have a uh, assortment, shall we say, of guests lined up for his exclusive play. <laughs> you do have a you do have a bevy of guests available to you. I do, I do. At any moment's notice I can snap my finger and go, I want you, 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 and they like, okay. I just want to okay. play D D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't yeah, you don't have to I don't yeah. Give me uh you don't have to twist my arm to play D&D. So, I am bringing back some minis we talked about uh a while ago, I feel. Um but I'm bringing them back because we've got some new reveals in the set. So, this set is the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. It's going to drop February 2022, so next month. It has 52 miniatures in the set, okay? It's a lot of miniatures. It is a lot of miniatures. So I'm going to bring them up on the screen for everyone at home to see. And I am even going to be nice and blow it up a bit so we can we can really get in there and look at them. So I'm going to butcher some of these names. <laughs> we have, I think that's Al- Alcio Metis. Alcio Metis. Uh, we have Alcio Metis, an unknown ghost one. Now the unknown ghost one looks, I'm going to zoom this in a bit. Um, it looks almost like um snake charmery to me. What does it look like to you, Sergio? Yeah, I mean, yes, I could see that, like sort of like um, yeah, like a snake charmer um, kind of style, like the like the snake that you know, comes out of like sort of like the the wicker basket sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. yeah. So we have our, we're just going to call him the Ghost Snake Charmer. Uh, this one I'm pretty excited for. We have the Star Spawn Emissary has been revealed. So, yay. Because I've been waiting that, for Star Spawn uh, miniature. That looks like something out of, uh, out of like Doom, like old, like 90s DOS Doom. Yep, yep. So I'm not going to point all of them out because there are 52 of them to go through. So I'm just going to pick out a few of my personal favorites. Um, we have Harkon Lucas. And this is just awesome. I'm gonna blow him up too because I love this. That it's it's a fiddle player. It, it's I don't know how to explain this. Like he's got red boots. He's he's got these. I don't know what kind of pants those are. They look almost roguish like. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, like they're like tucked into his red boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he looks like very colorful. Like, I mean, he looks exactly like, uh, you know, what a bard should look like. He's, like yes. very flamboyant, very eye popping, eye catching. Yes, 
Yes, and I I think the text says that's uh, some bold color choices. <laughs> Very bold. Absolutely. Absolutely. Green jacket, 100%. bright red boots. Uh, it looks like there's some gold on his chest there. I mean, it's it is definitely a fashion statement. Very loud. Very loud. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so that one is Harkon Lucas. Um, another one of my personal favorites. Uh, we have I cannot pronounce this. I never could pronounce this name. I think it's Anktapot. Something like that. Um, <laughs> it is it's very cool looking. It's a it basically just looks like a black mummy with like, like a, a black and gold mummy. Yeah, like a black and gold mummy with skulls and bone, like a bone like throne behind them. It's pretty cool looking. If I do say so myself. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited for that one. And then a few others that I've been looking at. Um, we showed you Nosferatu last time. And so that one's pretty exciting. But a new one we have is, let me pull it up here. My, oh no, my thing's acting all weird. There we go. So we have our Were Raven. So we have a Were Raven mini now revealed. And we have, I'm going to show this last one. Wait, hold on. You're just going to skip over like we don't have a crocodile headed monk, uh, mummy. <laughs> okay. Like it's like the I'll body go back. of a regular mummy. <laughs> it is a, a crocodile headed crocodile mummy. Crocodile head sticking out. <laughs> like I I wanted yeah, that that crocodile headed mummy is it's something I need sick. in my life. It's pretty sick. But you're going to like you're going to like this one better. So we have let me bring it down just a bit more. We have the Necrocore. And inside this, I don't know if it'll show it here, but inside this, you can see, if you look very carefully, you can see there's some sort of spirit or something trapped in this tube. Right, right. This is why it's one of my favorites out of the set, because of the detail on this miniature. And you can clearly see there's a figure behind it here. It looks to be the size of a medium creature, which is even more exciting because you can get some real detail observed in this miniature. Mm-hmm. So those are some of my favorites coming out of the set. Uh, it's it looks to be it looks to be a good set. I would say I am excited and in anticipation for February 2022 for our miniatures. These so these come out next month. That's very exciting. Yes. Uh, I need to get into the mini game because do. I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, spend enough money on D and D. Right? No, not enough. There's never enough money thrown at D and D. Speaking of uh, money spent on D and D, for my DM's Guild Corner of the Week pick, ooh, I'm actually ooh. uh you know it's it's kind of funny that you kind of revisited something that. You covered a few a while ago. Um, you know, stuff that more stuff that's been revealed. Uh for you know, for this week, I'm actually gonna cover something that uh that's been covered on the show before, not in a DM's guild corner of the week pick, but actually um Tom and Stu, the erstwhile hosts of the DD Lorecast, they actually uh interviewed the lead designers for this uh you know for this release mm-hmm. it's elminster's candlekeep companion yes this came out um a while ago tom and Stu talked to the, the like i said the designers anthony joyce and justice Ar- justice armin uh back in episode seven of the DD lore cast back in may 2020 so if you want more even more information on this product you can definitely listen to that episode but it's $14.95 on DMs Guild. It is the first ever thorough uh, map and um, guide to Candlekeep, which Candlekeep is, it's a, it's like a giant library. But not only is it a library, but it's like, it's almost like a fortress mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the, the knowledge that's within those walls so uh, unique and so um, powerful that 
you know, there are those that would want to destroy it. So, or just gain not, the knowledge that lives or, or gain it and use it for nefarious purposes. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, they have to, they have to keep it safe. They have to keep it secret. They have to keep it safe. Um, but yeah, it's keep it uh, the definitive, keep it safe. it's the definitive guide to candle keep. It's got the first ever comprehensive map of candle keep. It's uh, like, I think it's over 80 pages, full color. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's actually um, Ed Greenwood helped develop it. So they actually, you know, were, were working with the creator of the Forgotten Realms yep. campaign setting when they created this. Uh, it's got new variant rules, 26 new magic items, and 11 new creatures found, you know, in the library fortress. Uh, and it even includes a, uh, an adventure that you could use while you're, you know, working your way through your favorite adventure, uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Yes, you better believe we already played it. And so, <laughs> yeah, so Elminster's Candle Key Companion will have a note, uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's $14.95. It's a bit pricier than the stuff I usually recommend, um, but it's worth like every single penny. Mm-hmm. I you know we've, that, we got it as soon as it came out. It is worth every penny. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, if you read the the comments in the you know uh, at the very, at the bottom of the page, and there are so many people asking for a print on demand version of it because they want a physical copy of it. They're like, mm-hmm. I've already paid for the PDF version. I'm willing to pay for it again to get it in a physical copy. Um, but according to the according to Anthony Joyce, unfortunately, uh, you know, DM's uh, Guild isn't going to be providing that option. But that's how that's how one how popular it is and two how good it looks you know like mm-hmm. even if something uh you know is is great you know to be, to be used as a as a you know as a as a supplement to my game if it doesn't look great you know i'll just i'll, I'll just keep it as a file i'll pay yeah. for it you know i'll keep it on my on my computer i'll keep it on my on my tablet but if something looks nice like if i want to hold it in my hands and and just like and cuddle it because I have a weird fascination with tabletop role-playing game rule books. Uh, you know, that's, no. that's something else entirely. I dude, I love them so much. <laughs> I have, I have a, I, I always keep a handful, like two or three um, at my feet at all times uh, at my desk. So like, if I ever find myself kind of like uh, with like a little break from work, I can just grab one and just flip through the pages and learn something new possibly. I love, I love them so much. And I'm so excited next week we're getting a new one. Oh, we are. Oh, we are. Oh, yeah. That is going to be a big deep dive on that one. Well, at any rate, it is time for us to get to the end of the episode. Let us go. There it is, the scream. Wilhelm. Wilhelm. How Wilhelm. dare you scream? <laughs> so, what do we got left to talk about with Elminster? I mean, we've talked about a lot. I mean, there's so much more to talk about, but I mean, yeah, there's, like I said, like much like Dritt's uh, story, you know, you couldn't. There's no way that you could. Um, contain it all within a one hour podcast. Um, in fact, uh, my, my, the DM for one of the campaigns I play in a former professor of mine, that's how much of a nerd I am. I play D and D with my old professor. Uh, he told me that there, there's actually a podcast that is, that's going through each of the books that's, um, that goes through, um, like each Dritz, uh, Dritz book, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like, you know, we did like a like a sort of like wide angle lens look at the character, like how he came to be, some of his adventures. You know, this one definitely goes into the nitty gritty. It's called uh, The Legend of Dritz. It's yeah, it's, it's by uh, um, that you just look it up. Uh, Dritz Dwarden, The Legend of Dritz. And like I said, they go through the entire each book. It's a uh, weekly podcast. 
definitely check it out. We should link that one to the show notes too to find for Yeah, we'll link that to the show notes too. Yeah. Free publicity. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean they're fantastic. So I mean, yeah, like I'm I'm never gonna be the the kind of person who's like, oh, don't listen to that. Just listen no, to us. No. Listen to as much as you want. Listen yeah. to as little of us as you want, as much of them as you want. I'm pretty as sure much I got like as you want. 38 pods on rotate. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I listen. That's all I do at work. So yep. definitely, definitely want to um, foster a community and, and get, get folks as much information as possible, mm-hmm. but back to Elminster. Yes. Like I said, there's, there's so much um, that this character has seen so much that, the, that this character has done, you know, it'd be impossible to condense it all into one hour. Um, but what we will do is we'll talk about some of those cool magical <laughs> items that you, uh, that you alluded to uh before the break so he's got that pipe right not only does you know can it um can it catch flame accidentally and burn everything around it that's flammable he can actually use it to uh to send a fireball type attack so i knew there was something with that pipe i knew there was something i just couldn't remember it so when Elminster exhales forcefully through the pipe, uh, the pipe while, while being deactivated, the pipe goes out but emits a small spinning ball of flame that's uh, a lot like Melf's minute meteor. That's the, you know, the spell. Uh, the fiery ball is under the control of Elminster, and he can direct it at a target up to 90 feet by pointing at that target. Uh, anything that's flammable that's struck with a ball of fire from the pipe has a chance of being set on fire. And it can also produce one of three effects of the pyrotechnic spell uh, once every three rounds. So like I said, it's, it can definitely be used as a weapon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only can it be used as a weapon, it can be used as um as sort of a as a cover it can be, uh, the smoke can be manipulated yep uh the ever smoking pipe can also form the pipe smoke into crude non-magical images symbols or directional arrows which take t- 12 to 30 seconds to form and last for an additional 12 to 30 seconds thereafter and it can also protect him from non-magical projectiles like bolts and arrows See, and here's and here's when you here's how you know Elminster is a boss. Spells like magic missile get reflected away from Elminster and back to the caster. So you think like, well, I've got a magic missile that always hits. No, no, no it doesn't. No. <laughs> Have you met and my then, friend Prismatic <laughs> Wall? Right. Uh, another thing. Uh, the one last thing that I want to and like the pipe does a lot more, but. The one last thing that I want to cover is teleportation. Elminster can also use the pipe to cast a dimension door spell to cross up to 700 yards instantly. The door can move up to 500 pounds of non-living matter and 250 pounds of living matter in contact. The spell takes six seconds to recharge and it can be used up to nine times per day. Uh, So yeah, so he can literally move 700 yards away from from a location see i knew there was something with this pipe because that i pipe, had yeah i had something similar as a D player in 2e it was not elminster's pipe because i asked about elminster's pipe and they said no you can't have that <laughs> but i did get something it. similar and i knew i could dimension door i could do smoke screen and I could shoot a. Uh, mine was a small fireball that did it did a minor fireball damage. Um, I just couldn't remember if that was Elminster's, if it was just one that the DM had made up. But yeah, no, that's Elminster's pipe. Yeah, I mean, like it's you know, it's a it's a definite item in the in the D and D canon. Mm-hmm. That thundering longsword that you mentioned. Oh yeah. Now. Uh, Obviously, it's it's magical. It's going to yes. inflict more damage than your regular longsword. Uh, whenever and it's it's called a thundering longsword because whenever he strikes, uh, whenever he hits a you know a you know a 
a particularly uh, good hit, you know, whenever he strikes true, the blade creates a roar like thunder upon impact. Uh, this effect doesn't, you know, this doesn't affect Elminster at all. However, that, you know, that will cause additional damage to the enemy and to any other enemies like within the, the range of, of that, of that thunder, which I guess it would be sort of like a, like a thunderclap perhaps. Yep. 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 See he's that, a, that blade is mm, mm, chef's kiss. <laughs> he's also got, you know, um, super like souped up armor. He's mm-hmm. got a, a plus five amulet of natural armor. Uh, he's got bracers of armor that are plus seven. He's actually he's got a ring of regeneration, which will uh, continually uh, heal him. It's like a it's like Wolverine's healing factor, mm-hmm. like as a ring. Uh, it repairs damage every five minutes. Uh, it says, should he lose a limb or an organ while wearing the ring, uh, he will regrow the la- the lost body part as if the regenerate spill spell were cast on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and only damage that. Elbinster uh, accrues while wearing the ring is regenerated like this. So, if you were to take the ring off and and you know get stabbed or take damage, that damage wouldn't. You, you would have to repair that, uh, you know, with a healing potion or through a healing spell of some sort. It wouldn't. The ring wouldn't have any effect on it. And you know, like this is just uh a short list of the magic items at his disposal. Mm-hmm. But the last one I want to cover, it's called Elminster's safe hold. Now this is, it's, it's described as perhaps his ACE in the hole uh, because it's, it's that it's that powerful and it's that unique. And it's, you know, it's, it's something that Elminster can use in a pinch. It's a uh, small item that holds a pocket dimension filled with Elminster's wealth of magical items. So think of it as like a bag of holding on steroids because it's not just, you know, uh, you know, a magical bag that can hold more than you would assume. You know, it's bigger on the inside, right? It's actually an an entire (laughs) dimension. It's an entire uh, demi-plane of existence. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, many other items uh, have been stored here as well, you know, such as um, tomes, scrolls, uh, even magical servants that protect the dimension. Uh, I know that um, in Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crits, uh, their bag of holding, I know they're prone to shove um, <laughs> undeserving characters into their bag of holding. Is someone uh, salty? <laughs> no, I know. I just. I'm just make. I'm just talking. Just, just talking. talking. I'm just, just talking. I'm just, I'm just talking. Just gabbing about. Just gabbing about D and D. And then he can also visit this demi plane, uh, you know, to either drop off items or to take items or to, uh, you know, peruse a tome if he needs to learn a new spell or needs to learn the the history on something or other. But, but I mean, or he can actually escape to it if need be for a time for a small period of time. Mm-hmm. See that I knew I knew a lot about that item because that was the item that inspired me to create the vault item. Uh, it wasn't as fancy or complex as his, but it did follow the same principles. It wasn't its own plane of existence. You know, it, it followed its own rules of time. It was uh, that item particularly influenced a lot of my creation in second edition when it came to the vault necklace. So well, now you know so, yeah, where so, one I mean, of my magic items came from. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Like, you know, um, like, you know, you talked about your, the, the vault item that you created. Mm-hmm. You talked about the pipe that a, a DM uh, created in a previous game of yours, which sounds a lot like Elminster's pipe, mm-hmm. but, you know, can't say for sure that it was regardless. If it wasn't, then it, then it's definitely inspired by. Oh, definitely and, was. You know, so the, the sort of, um, the repercussions of Elminster's character are felt far beyond just you know your standards and realms campaign setting mm-hmm. adventures and uh, and stories. You know this the character is is so well known and so popular that you know you can kind of see the his, the like his sort of fingerprints 
all over D&D. Oh, yeah. He's, again, another major player in the D&D universe. The guy took out Bane, pretty much. Or mm-hmm. Bale, not Bane. That's I was Batman. Say, I was uh, say Bane? <laughs> I'm excited about that new Batman movie. Um, <laughs> no, he took out uh, Bale, for crying out loud. The guy, he's, he's definitely a hoss. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we've come to the end of the show, and I'm not going to discuss magic items today because we got quite a few magic items from Elminster himself. So, in lieu of that, Sergio, would you like to share with us what you have going on in life this wonderful day? Well, um, I uh, am a co-host of another podcast, just the one. I'm not uh, Johnny Podcast a lot like my my good friend (laughs) Crit here. Uh, but I have a bi-weekly podcast in addition to the D&D Lorecast called Fandom University. Uh, myself and my best friend of over 20 years, Sean Hamill, uh, we discuss um, all manner of nerdy things. Uh, like we sort of take like deep dive, almost like um, uh, scholarly looks at at these different pockets of fandom. Uh, you know, we'll discuss um, sort of the ideas and um, different readings of of the text so to speak uh we started last year we went through the end of the year took a break for the uh for the winter and we're back now we just released a brand new episode about the original scream trilogy um because you know we got a new a new scream movie coming out mm-hmm. and we figured like you know with how we look at at you know at movies and games and video games and and uh, in books, uh, you know, this that that franchise is right is ripe for you know for our show because you know, it's it you know, at its at its heart it sort of like deconstructs the genre and sort of plays around with you know the audience expectations you know like we all know the different tropes mm-hmm. uh, the different tricks of the horror genre yep. and so yeah we had a lot of fun uh, you know watching the first three movies. Uh, and then the second part of that course will be, we'll talk about Scream 4 and of course, Scream 5. We got a special guest lined up to interview. Uh, yeah, we got a, and we got a lot of cool stuff planned for the Who year. Who is your guest? It's going to be secret. Oh, secrets. Secrets don't make friends. Uh, but yeah, then we're, you know, we're going to be talking about Boba Fett. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about Batman. Like I said, I'm, I'm very excited about the new movie. So we'll be Where talking about, we'll be talking about Batman. We'll be talking about all sorts of cool stuff. Over the summer, we're going to be talking about RoboCop, which is, yeah, I'm excited about. I'm excited about RoboCop. Oh yeah, RoboCop's my jam. RoboCop and Judge Dredd, my jams. <laughs> oh yeah, Judge Dredd would be a good one. It would be. Oh, there you go. Next idea. <laughs> well, on our end, I'm not going to go through the long list of the podcasts that I do because there's nine of them now. Uh, we've got them all linked in the show notes if you're interested in listening to some live plays of different RPGs, one of them being 5e D&D, uh, Comedy Pod, Fumbling 4. Um, but no, I want to take some time again this week and focus on the new exciting drop I dropped on everybody last week. Um, I'm just going to mention it one more time. In f- we, have, we have a release month now. So February... The next month, the the uh, the thirty, I believe it was the thirty sixth anniversary of the Legend of Zelda series, February twenty first. Uh, I believe it's twenty first. Ah, uh, yes, the thirty sixth anniversary. Yes. <laughs> um. Now we're not releasing it on twenty first. We're going to release it in February. Uh, the announcement. You know, we'll announce closer to the time we're going to release. Um, but we're going to release it in the anniversary month. And the first episode of the Legend of Zelda lore cast, we already know what we're going to talk about. We are going to, of course, start at the beginning, and we're going to talk about how Hyrule was forged, what exactly is going on with the Legend of Zelda timeline, how would I play the games in order. We're going to go through a deep dive on what's the order, what's going on, and where are we when we play Breath of the Wild. What timeline are we in? So we're going to go through all of that the first episode. When we sign off, when we do our our post-show chat or like post-show banter, so so to speak, with the for the Patreon feed, I'm going to ask you what if for someone who's never played a Zelda game, a Link game, 
what would be the first game to play? I want to ask you that. Well, I've already asked you, but I want you to answer that after we sign off. All right. Well, without any further ado, we love you all and we want to thank you for listening. Thank and you so much. Thank yes. you. And we'll be back next week with our review of Monsters of the Multiverse. Oh. I'm, I'm beyond excited. <laughs> uh, in the Robots Radio Discord, which you should definitely join if you want to continue uh, talking about Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Lupus posted some uh, sort of like sneak preview stuff. Mm-hmm. Like some, uh, And oh man, I got so excited. I, Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. We're going to save it. We're going to save it. <laughs> Oh boy, I've got it ordered. Can't wait to go get it. Oh, mine's on its way. Mine's on its way. Well, not yet, but when they when they release them, it's on its way. Well, without any further ado, we want to thank you all for listening and tune in next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.